Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Warning, 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 alert, alert, alert. This episode of Nerdette contains explicit language. We're not going to bleep it. Sorry, Mom. My mom doesn't really care, though. Sorry, Marsha. I'll apologize to your mother. Sorry, Marsha. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. I want you to pretend, everyone listening right now, I want you to pretend that you are a feminist talk show host. Because you've pretended this before (laughs) with a hairbrush in your mirror. (laughs) I want you to think it's the day after the election and you thought you were going to be talking about the first female president. But instead, the electoral vote shows that Donald Trump has won. Who do you have perform the musical act on your show that night? Who can capture the gravity of the situation, the significance of the moment, but still make people feel encouraged, maybe even victorious? The answer is Lizzo. And that's exactly what happened on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee on November 9th. We are going to get up, change our pampers, brush off our shoulders, and push on through together. Please welcome Lizzo. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Sing a song full of the faith That the dark past has taught us Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun. Let us march on till victory is you and if you feel me i want everybody on your feet because we're gonna celebrate this is so amazing lizzo welcome thanks for coming on nerdette (laughs) thanks for having me so what is the story behind going like this must have been like scheduled way in advance and like what happened how did this get set up oh man shout out samantha she's so sweet yeah she sounds great um for weeks and weeks and weeks and asha's in here actually my tour manager asha was on the phone with people at samantha b planning all of these power suits and balloon drops and montages of hillary and women and we were going to wear red, white, and blue. And there was just, like, so much planning and anticipation for the first female president. And Samantha B wanted me to represent that, which was amazing and an honor. And literally, we're on the plane to New York, and the election is going on the screens. We took the red eye. So we were, like, flying with Obama and landing with somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And I was like, this has to be, like— a dream or like a nightmare (laughs) because it really felt like something out of Black Mirror, you know, and we land and nobody spoke to each other. And I was just thinking, I was like, I can't 
just do this song. I have to do the song because Atlantic Records <laughs> needs me to do the song, but <laughs> I can't just do the song. What am I going to do? And I was thinking about all the little things I wanted to do and change the performance in my head. And I was like, are they going to let me do this? Samantha come into my dressing room and starts crying. Wow. And I just like hugged her for a long time. And she was like, I'm so sorry. Like she was saying, I'm so sorry to me. As I'm if like, it's her fault. <laughs> like, girl, you didn't, you're not the electoral college. And she was like, whatever you want to do, you know, whatever you want to do. And for a while now, I have been kind of talking about Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is the Black National Anthem or the Negro National Anthem. And I have been talking about it on my show Wonderland on MTV. And I've been just trying to sing it, you know. And we did it. Like, I didn't want to feel defeated. I didn't want to be defeated. I wanted to put a smile on people's faces because that's literally what we do every night on our tours. Like, no matter what's going on in the world, we try to balance out the darkness with some light. And um, it, it went, the rest is history. I feel like we're really going into a time where our female leaders are more important now more than ever. Like, yeah, a female leader of the free world would have been dope, but we have so many amazing female leaders that aren't the president that yeah. can influence more than the president. And I think that the defeatist attitude, we have to just put that in the bathroom <laughs> Go outside, you know, and do our hair toss, check our nails, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about your background for people who aren't familiar with you and your work. I feel like you have kind of an interesting origin story in a lot of different ways. When did you first realize that you were going to be a musician? Um, I was a writer. I like I would write a lot of stories. and Yeah, um, like fantasy stories, right? Yeah. I wrote like little fit. I loved Lord of the Rings and yes. um I read a lot of like fantasy like Sarah J Maas uh-huh. um novels and I was so into like the dragons and the the, the magic. <laughs> I so I, loved I would write dragons. I wrote a story about dragons too. There you go. I wrote a story about a phoenix. Nice. <laughs> I was such a nerd. Um <laughs> and so I would write for a long time and then I started playing the flute in the fifth grade. Fifth grade. But before that, I was writing like little little pop songs a la Spice Girls. <laughs> I was in this group called Peace, Love, and Joy. Aww. Yeah. I was peace. My friend was love <laughs> and my other friend, um, Pips, was joy. <laughs> and we were like, hey, we were like Spice Girls. So we wrote like little corny songs. <laughs> That's amazing. But I always kind of gravitated towards music. But playing the flute and being a competitive flute, flautist, flutist, you know what? Somebody needs to somebody need to come in and debunk this because I always call myself a flautist. Yeah, I think that and, is the term. Technically. But somebody, you know, drunk talk. And somebody was like, "My mom is in the Philharmonic, Nuh-uh. and she says it's a flutist." <laughs> and I was like, "But all these years, I've been saying a flautist, oh, no. tomato, tomato." Somebody, <laughs> if you're listening. Clear this up for us, because I've been playing the flute forever, and I still say flautist. So if that's the hood way of saying it, I'll I think let you, you should girl. just say fluter. Just go for it. I'm a flute player. <laughs> you play the flute, and you actually play the flute in one of your songs on your new EP. I do, which was so great. It was hilarious. To re- I was like, I knew just enough about you with the flute, and then I was like, oh, you know what? I bet that's her. Mm-hmm. And then it was so fun to be at your concert last night and have you be like. Yo, let's all just take a minute and appreciate this gospel flute that's I sure right did. Now. Oh my god. <laughs> so happy. I always wonder how people react to that because it's such like a quiet moment in the set. 
And then that flute comes in and people are just like, yeah. But you better make some room for me. I'm coming through with my crew at the rendezvous. Yeah, it's a party over here now. Yeah, it's a party over here now. So when did you start rapping? I started rapping. It was pretty early too, right? Oh, yeah. I was writing like little raps for girl groups for a while, but I I didn't rap. I was like, this is going to be for her. Like, Oh, interesting. I was writing raps for my friends. And at one point... I was, like, listening to freestyles on the radio because in Houston, every, like, Sunday night, they would do, like, chop and screw music and, like, all the freestyle, like, little flip with freestyle. And I remember being like, that's so cool. Like, I want to be able to freestyle. And the summer of seventh grade, me and my girls, we started this crew called the Cornrow Click. And um, (laughs) we all had cornrows. We all had cornrows and we all had different color cornrows. Like, there was green cornrows and pink cornrows. Yes. Red, white, <laughs> and um, we were inspired by Crime Mob, Nut Few Puck, which is <laughs> now what kids refer to as the Juju Challenge. <laughs> and um, Diamond and Princess were like so cool to us because they were just like rapping better than the boys. And yes. yeah, we nucky and bucky and ready to fight. So we had a song called It Don't Matter Though. And it was in the style of Diamond and Princess from Crime Mob. And I started rapping then. But I had, oh, my God, I have the song. And, oh, my God, it's so ratchet. Like, my rap voice when I was younger was so ridiculous. (laughs) Like, I was, we had skits and interludes and outros. (laughs) And I'd sound like myself, but I just sound like such a hood rat. I was such a hood rat. So so it's always been girl power for you. Like always. That's always been a part of like the agenda kind of. It's crazy. I've naturally just gravitated to strong women and and mostly trios or quad quads quartets <laughs> quartets or quadriceptuplets. <laughs> <laughs> I I like I have my mother and my sister. My brother my brother's like my best friend, so mm-hmm. I was always cool with like boys dudes i I could get along with dudes yeah i got a bro yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but like i would always kind of move in packs of women and um like i said peace love and joy was all female yeah that's (laughs) That's so so funny to refer to them it was in the third grade and i was like my two like vietnamese best friends (laughs) but like peace love and joy and then initials was a group of four of us and mz juicy was me and my best friend at the time like we were a rap duo me and her I just always rode in crews, and I remember being in college, and I had a friend who rapped, and I had this other friend. Her name was Kitty. She was like a model, and it was like another girl who I wanted to be a DJ. I was like, you should be a DJ, and you should be a photographer. I wanted like a crew, yeah, you know, of women who like Ugh. all just like did it, yeah. and you know, whatever. We were super young, and whatever. We lived life, but I looked up and realized that that— crew that I was trying to manifest in college was all around me. It was different people, but it still happened and I and we all got to sit back and reflect and it it is a beautiful thing. Like I've always wanted this and it's it's tight to look up and see your dreams kinda happen. 
That is, is crazy. really cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So there was this moment last night at the show right before I'm in love with myself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in love with myself. Where all you had to do was like say the name of that song. Like you literally just say, I'm in love with myself. And this crowd just goes fucking insane. Kissing on my mirror, staring in my eyes, appreciating every curve and crevice, smack my thighs. And I was just wondering, like, what is it like to be able to stand on a stage and say that you love yourself and have that many people just lose their minds cheering for you? It's amazing. It's an amazing feeling because I feel like it's not just me saying I'm in love with myself. It's the crowd being like, I love myself, too. Yeah. You know, I do think that there's this double edged sword in the industry where if I wear a leotard, if I show my legs and I say I'm in love with myself, I'm body positive or feminist or free. Another artist, say like Ariana Grande or like Nicki Minaj does the same thing. People will say, oh, she's scantily clad or do you know what I'm saying? Like she's trying to use sex to get ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really unfair. And I think, yeah, because I'm, you know, fat and black and happy, like, (laughs) they're like, oh, my God, you know, she loves herself. And that's, oh, she's so brave. Right, right. I'm like, I'm not any more brave than Ariana Grande. I'm not any more brave than Beyonce knows. I'm not any more brave than any of these other women who are out here, you know, doing the same thing and loving themselves. But. These terms like body positive and dare to be beautiful, yeah. they really shouldn't exist. Like no, we shouldn't no dare to be beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It shouldn't be brave for a girl who's over, you know, a size six to be wearing a bikini. That's not brave. She's just a bad bitch, you know? <laughs> and I think that like, you know, we have a long way to go. And obviously I'm taking advantage of the fact that, you know, you don't really see women like me. So I'm gonna be the only one you see (laughs) like me but at the same time I wish that there were more women and I wish that it was more acceptable and I wish that women who were smaller and women who are super super famous and beautiful could do what I'm doing and not get the backlash but at the end of the day you know I'm out here trying to shatter this fucking glass ceiling (laughs) just like the rest of these women so (laughs) it does feel good to be on stage and say I love myself and have everybody go crazy and at the end of the night I hope everyone's going home and looking in the mirror and feeling themselves because I know I am Back with more music from Lizzo's first major label EP, Coconut Oil, in just a minute. Hey, one more thing. For the first time ever, right now, you can support Nerdette and get some awesome swag. Make a tax-deductible donation to WBEZ, and you get to choose a Nerdette mug, notebook, or both as a thank you gift. Text NERDALERT to 30644. That's NERDALERT to 30644. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Greta, you went to Lizzo's concert? That must have been way past your bedtime. It was way past my bedtime, but my mother told me I had to, so I did it. I think people might be surprised that someone's mom introduced them to Lizzo, but knowing Mary Johnson, this doesn't surprise me. Is she just a real big coconut oil fan? Yeah, I did introduce her to Lizzo first, okay. but it was one of the, like, I I heard her on Weekend Edition Sunday, and I was like, oh my god, and I sent the music video out to, like, many of my ladies in my life, just being like, yo, you need to check this out. And uh, and she definitely responded the most enthusiastically. I don't think you even, maybe you did respond. I was already a fan of Lizzo. <laughs> also, I have to say, I'm really kind of proud of you for admitting that you were introduced to a piece of pretty cool yeah, pop culture yeah. from NPR. It's a thing. Like, admitting a that thing is a big life. thing, yeah. to be yeah. honest with yourself. Yeah. I know. That you get your hip-hop recommendations yeah. from NPR I'm not Weekend proud. Edition Sunday. I'm not proud. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but here we are. It could be worse. I find my own books. <laughs> Can't feel the sound, swish all around, a palate cleanser for your thoughts and Other fun facts you should know about Lizzo. She is only 28 years old. She grew up in Houston, Texas, but she lives now in Minneapolis, where she's kind of been setting up her music scene. She also won a Best New Twin Cities Artist Award in 2013, and she loves Sailor Moon. Minneapolis is an amazing music city. I love that she was like, that is my quest to get to Minneapolis. Totally. To make awesome music. Well, and I think what's really cool about Minneapolis, which you can also see in Lizzo's music, is that it embraces a lot of different kinds of music. And Lizzo, too, I mean, there's a little bit of hip hop. There's some like reggaeton. There's a lot going on even in these six songs on the EP, Coconut Oil. And that's what I asked her about in the next part of our conversation. I was performing My Skin and saying Black Lives Matter in front of uh, My Morning Jacket crowd. And I was performing like rowdy punk songs like Easy Easy and like trying to start, you know, mosh pits in front of, you know, a Boston riot girl crowd, you know. And then we opened for churches and that was like thousands of people. And I was like, okay, I have to adapt to a Scottish audience, like, you know, in their hometown of Glasgow who love churches. And I have to be this girl that sets the stage for them. So it's like we learned how to read audiences really well and adapt. And the fact that I was a hip hop artist and was not ever performing for hip hop crowds, it made it difficult. It made it a challenge. And I think that it made us better performers. And when we perform for hip hop crowds, that's a no brainer. They they They're like, wow, cool. But the fact that we can floor an audience of Riot Girls or punk fans or people who are into, like, electro music, the fact that we're able to do that is is a skill that we have really, you know, we've honed. (laughs) It seems like you like to do all the things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, and to that extent, it's like she's doing whatever she wants and she's doing it really well and she's owning it. Which is so cool to see, you know. Thank you. I was nervous because I was like, is this a lot of genres, like, on deep? Right. That's like a West African. That's like a yeah, like yeah. two Nigerian <laughs> yeah. twins. Uh, Christian Rich made the beat. And then I wrote the song with a West African dude, Jean-Baptiste. And I was like, yo, I don't even understand this rhythm, but I want to do this song yeah. so bad. And I was nervous. I was like, yo, I have all these different styles. Like, I asked my executive producer, I was like, do you think that I need to, like, pick one? And he was like, no, because your voice is kind of the thing that marries all of the genres. And I I was like, well, that's a huge compliment. But the more coconut oil starts to do better, the more people tell me that they're like... 
I just vibed the whole time. Because then we got a song like Excuse Me. Yeah, totally. That breaks down into like damn near trap. Look up in the mirror, oh my God, it's me. So much pride on me, I'm a prodigy. I'm a do my thing, no apologies. Coconut and rose in my skin regime. You know what I'm saying? Like... We are all over the place, but um, my voice, I guess, is the thing that is the glue yeah. that holds all these genres together. So I'm just gonna keep on doing it. Excuse me while I feel myself. What's deeper than the darkest best kept secret beneath the surface we can So I want to talk to you a little bit about my skin because I think it's a really important song and I really love the backstory to it. you tell me what inspired my skin? I will tell you. <laughs> I was um, in New York and I had an interview with Style Like You's What's Underneath Project. And it is an interview where you sit on a stool and you take off an article of clothing and you talk about your body and your your experience with your body. And, and this is like a body positive, sort super of body like positive. everybody's different kind yes. of situation. And many, many women have done it. There were women who had albinism have done it. There's women with many, many tattoos have done it. There were, a pregnant woman did it. You know, big, small women who've dealt with body dysmorphia. And so they asked me to do it. I came in and I was like underprepared. I didn't even think about what I was going to say. Like, it was one of those things where I checked the email and was like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, I skimmed through emails. I'm the worst. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm the worst. I skimmed through it and it was like, interview, style, clothes. And I was like, like, okay. Cool. <laughs> so I get in there, I'm taking my clothes off and they ask me, what's the favorite, my favorite thing about myself? And I couldn't tell them because I didn't know. And I, no one had ever asked me that. And I just felt like off. And I was like, my personality. <laughs> right, right. And they're like, yeah, your personality's great or whatever, but like your body. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. And I had recently, at the time, I was rope swinging into a, a river in the Mississippi River and I fell oh, off yeah. a cliff, like off the cliff. And I didn't land in the water. <laughs> and I banged my skin up really bad, like scratched my knee up, scratched my arms up. It was really bad, broke Oof. my toe. And my friend, it was right before I went on tour, and my friend, he was like, look what you did to your skin. Like, are you stupid? And the way he talked about my skin was as if it was so precious. And as I was sitting there, I was like, you know what? After getting scraped up like that, it made me appreciate my skin. I love my skin. <laughs> I've never answered that question, and I can answer it today. And I realized how loaded that is where I'm like, yeah, my skin is nice. You know, it's soft and clear and I get complimented on it a lot. But my skin is also dark brown and my skin is also the reason 
you know, why a lot of young boys were murdered for no reason. A lot of young women were murdered for no reason, you know. And um, how loaded that can be in America that your favorite thing about you is the thing that identifies you and in a negative way to a lot of people. And I wanted people to know how I felt who didn't look like me. I wanted people who did not have the same skin coloring as me or did not have the same gender as me or did not have the same beliefs as me to sing a song with me and to feel like one with me. And my skin was was that. I was freestyling in the booth and there was this picture of these women and they were dark brown and they had baskets on their head and mm. with a river and <laughs> the producer got it from um I think he got it from like Nigeria or somewhere but I was like going off of that I was like it's deeper than the river deeper than the darkest best you know and it just happened so that's what it that's that's what my skin is all about and every night when I perform the song I, I just want to remind people that no matter what your skin looks like, you know, the texture or the color, how much you've stretched it out or how tight it is or how old or young it is, we all have skin and we all wake up in our skin. And once we realize that there isn't that much difference between all of us and that all of our struggles that, you know, like Black Lives Matter or, you know, gay rights or, you know, Muslim Rights or right, there's such silos. Yeah, like they've been set up to be so separate, and like we can't fight for each other. Totally, and I think that division is a tool for the. Um, I was gonna say the patriarchy, <laughs> dude. The patriarchy totally the wins oppressor. in that equation. Totally, yes. like, like it, it is a segregation. Like the oppressor uses segregation as a tool time and time again, and I really, really think that there isn't a better time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go in on Donald Trump, but having a president like that, you know, is is going to show all of us that our struggles aren't that different mm -hmm. from each other. Well, it has to show us that if we're going to make moves, right? Totally. And like, you know, white boys, <laughs> you struggling too. You ain't a you ain't a millionaire. Donald Trump will fire you, okay? So, come on and join the hustle, baby. Don't feel left out. <laughs> I do my Your homework is to listen to Lizzo's EP. The six tracks on coconut oil are going to be on repeat once you start listening to them, I promise. Yeah, man, what I would actually like to know, if we can just take the homework a little bit further, is how many times you can listen to coconut oil while, like on your drive to work. Like how many times it cycles through, because that's kind of that's how I'm rolling these days. <laughs> But also, I don't know if you noticed, but Lizzo kind of gave us some homework. If you're listening, clear this up for us, because I've been playing the flu forever and I still say flautis. So we decided to assign this question to our producer, Justin. Hello? Hi, Darlene. Oh, yes. Can I just ask you to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, yeah, my name is Darlene Drew, and I am a professional flu player. <laughs> okay, so what do you call yourself? Uh, I, I'm chuckling because uh, if I had a nickel for every time I've been asked if it's flutist or flautist, I could retire. Flutist actually has an older history in English. 
going all the way back to 1600 or so, while flautists didn't enter English until the 19th century. I call myself a flutist. Why is that? Well, I play the flute. Well, I usually go by flutist, but um, both are definitely used. The million-dollar question for mm-hmm. flutist. Um, well, I guess I just kind of gave myself away by saying flutist. I usually abstain by saying flute player. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Do any of your colleagues call themselves flautists? They do not. Okay. I don't know anyone who plays the flute who calls him or herself a flautist. Uh, what about fluter? You ever heard that? Oh, nope. No. Don't know that one. Okay. Well, both are acceptable, but flautist actually comes from the Italian word, which is flautista, based okay. on the Italian word for flute, flauto. I can't imagine any flutist um, being insulted if they're asked this question. Okay, okay good. <laughs> yeah. Well, good, because I'm just asking flutists this question. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks for your interest in the flute. Oh, okay, yeah, I love flutes. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for calling back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Joe Dassault, Justin Bull, Candice Mattel. Special thanks this week to Darlene Drew, Elise Johnson, Karen Erson, and Mimi Stillman, all wonderful players of the flute, and lexicographer Ben Zimmer, who's a language columnist for The Wall Street Journal. Our intern is Brady Guy. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. Subscribe to us on iTunes or follow us on NPR One. Something that's super helpful for us is actually if you leave us all the stars and little iTunes reviews, like Julia's probably already taken did in an iTunes review. That's a really fun response to not doing the Julie 2 or Julie 24. Because <laughs> you can't ever have your just first name in anything unless yeah. you're the founder of a thing. Like if you create Twitter, then you get to have a handle that's just your first name. Julie is probably already taken as pretty great. And she says she does her homework, which is pretty cool. Good job. Yeah. So you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdat Podcast. Do your homework. Do your homework. Do your homework, man. The homework is very fun this week. It is there really should be fun. no qualms about the homework. The homework is always fun, Trisha. Sometimes it's a lot, though. <laughs> that much. Julie's already taken, does it? Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.